0: to be in God's house today can I get an amen? amen amen I think I think I could just have Dylan play the whole sermon over there i tell you another thing I was thinking about when Joseph got on those cymbals uh, for uh, uh, during that second song behold our God I was thinking about Psalm 150 uh, praise him with clashing cymbals they're gonna be cymbals in heaven there's no doubt about it and uh, they're gonna be loud too And so I look forward to that. It's so good to be in God's house today. Let me jump into uh, this message, and uh, I have Erin, she's in the nursery, and she said, get on it, Mike, get on it. So, uh, Philippians chapter number 4 is where we were at. Uh, Last week I preached part 1 of this sermon on anxiety, on worry, which I entitled, uh, Have You Ever Lost Your Sanity? Have you ever lost your mind? And uh, I shared some some thoughts there about worry. I want to continue in this topic right here as we work through the book of Philippians. This, this is not just a random sermon, but we're working through the book of Philippians. So this really is part two. And there's so many thoughts here that I can't get into a sermon and for time's sake, we'll, we'll shut it down today and we will move on into more into the text um, because there's so many thought processes on anxiety that we could spend our time on for several weeks, but for the sake of time, we're going to move forward. I talked to Justin Salter last night, Kevin Snow uh, last night. They. Uh, Justin's retired from the fire department uh, in the medical field. Kevin Snow still working for uh, Hueytown uh, Fire and, and a medic there, and they run numerous calls weekly. Justin was telling me run cases all the time on people who have panic attacks. I don't know if you are someone who's ever had a panic attack. Uh, looking through and talking to them, I think I've probably had one in my life before, not to the extent of calling the fire department, but um, but I think that I've been in a panic, uh, in a panic situations in my life and and really had to slow down and, and control my breathing. I didn't know this about panic attacks uh, until Justin and Kevin was, they were talking and Kevin really confirmed everything that Justin was saying because, you know, I can't believe everything that Justin says. So I had to go to authority above, <laughs> above Justin to get some confirmation on these things, but uh, but a lot of times when people pass out over panic attacks, it's really, it's really kind of healthy because their body resets. It, it, there's, a, there's a lack of oxygen and a buildup of, of CO2, and so your body begins to reset in a panic attack. But people really believe that they are dying. So A lot of people have... Have heart palpitations. They have they have a, a burning going on in their in their arm. And and uh, Justin said that they call it OLJ's, J's, O Lordy Jesus fits. It's literally what they call it. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but if you have, uh, th- maybe that this message. I pray that this message speaks to you. Extreme worry can be very life altering for us, physically and mentally. People can be worried just about, any, about anything in our life. I didn't even deal last week, and I'm really not dealing today with worrying about our kids and grandkids. You know, I, you know worry seems to change form in our life based off of what we're going through and, and the people that are in our lives. I, I got a feeling, you know, I've said this before from the pulpit, if I think I worry about my kids now, just wait till they drive, right? I mean, it's serious, serious. If you got a, a teenager in here, you remember those teenage days, uh, you know, or, you know, you're a parent, you remember when your your adult children were teenagers, you worry, and then then I'm not in there yet, and I pray that the Lord gets me there. I really do pray for things that are down the line as far as that I can go, right? Powers has talked about this in conversations. Let's quit building pop-up tents in our life and build more of cathedrals. So let's think long-term in our families, praying for grandkids, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, if the Lord wills all of that in our lives. I think about, I think about the days, and I pray that I get there when I have grandchildren. I want to get there. I want to get to those days with my wife and enjoy those days. So, so we try to center our life in, in, at the Stevens household on, on having those conversations. Sawyer, one day you're going to get married to a man that loves God. Sam, one day you're going to get married to a woman that loves God. Sam, choose somebody like your mom. Sawyer, choose somebody as handsome and godly like your dad, right? Bald and overweight. Got, sawyer, choose them. Choose them, right? So we have those conversations, but I can't imagine what's coming down the line for me and having to, to, to give over. Uh, people can be worried about death. One of my Christian brothers—I'm not sure if he's in the room—but I would say one of my best friends in the faith. Even though we don't talk every day, you—you you are an unreal close friend of mine. I love you with all of my heart. He—he um, he called me months ago, and—and and if he's in the room this morning, he'll know that I'm talking about him. His main concern was dying. Young, a young man, young brother in the Lord. His main concern was dying, and not just the idea of, oh my goodness, I'm going to die one day, but it was the idea of leaving his wife and young children behind. and it, it, It's been life-altering for him. He has lost sleep. This was months ago, and I think the Lord has resolved a lot of those issues in his heart and in his mind, But but he had extreme anxiety about death, and I would say this. There are people who have anxiety about death because they don't know Jesus. This brother knows the Lord and loves the Lord, but there are people who have extreme anxiety about about death because they don't know Christ and they know that they will stand before him one day and so right now they have no hope because they don't know Jesus and so if anything today if you're here and you don't know Jesus you have anxiety about death you should you should be worried and I don't know why that person has made it in here today to the house of God, maybe, maybe you are just here because somebody invited you and you've cared nothing about church, but, but when the lights go off and it's just you in your bedroom with your head on your pillow and all you have is the Lord there and you know you aren't right with him, you should worry because you will stand before him one day and give an account for your life. You say, Mike, will you do that? Sort of. But I have a defense attorney who will stand and give an account for my sin. And it doesn't mean that I'm better than you. It doesn't mean that I'm better than you. But I pray that your eyes will we'll see the beauty of the gospel. I shared last week my battle with anxiety during a difficult season here at Union Hill in my life and how, how God walked me through that. And I made a, a wonderful statement. wasn't in the notes, but be very careful to make a life-altering decision based off of a season in your life. Be very careful. You think you're in wintertime. Well, wintertime only lasts a short season, and then springtime will come. And so, so I, I planted corn in the garden over there, and a couple of weeks ago, me and my dad, and I woke the kids up all early on a Sunday morning, and, 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 and Aaron came out, and we all shucked corn. I don't know, about 150 years of corn, and we just had a great time shucking corn and telling stories out in the driveway and having a good time. But, but when I planted corn, I had to wait 90, 100 days or so before corn was harvested didn't plant corn and get corn the next week. doesn't work like that. So some of y'all are are planting corn with the Lord right now and you're waiting for a harvest and you want your harvest now, but but if you've spent years planting a different seed into the ground, and you have reaped that seed for years and years and years and years, and now you come to the Lord to plant corn, it takes a certain amount of time, a season. I don't know what that season is. The Lord does for you to begin to reap the harvest of what you're planting. Don't give up. Don't give up on planting seed in the Lord don't give up on that it takes a little bit of time we we can lose our sanity over so many different things in life worry about God's provision for tomorrow how am I going to make it particularly when he says hey Mike hey Powers hey Justin hey Brandon I want you guys to pursue God in the ministry and you're looking at him going hey Lord uh, how are you going to take care of my needs and he looks back and goes, don't worry about that serve me wholeheartedly I will take care of you but Lord Powers, where are you at? But Lord, but Lord, I could do something else and get a bigger paycheck. The Lord says, you could, but if you go that route, you're not in my will. Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust me now. I'm the God of tomorrow. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. A lot of us worried during COVID 2020 when it hit in March I was in the grocery store watching some of y'all feeling the same anxiety. Uh, Like, were y'all in the grocery store in in April? Like, with the buggy, you didn't talk to anybody. You put your head down, and it was like, oh, my goodness, i got to get to the bread. i got to get to the eggs. They're gone. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? The chips. What am I going to do about Sawyer and Sam? They like green pringles i gotta get there's six green pringles i could get all six because they may not be there tomorrow and you start going but what is people going to think about me i've got six green pringles and i'll put four back and then i'll come right i'll pay for them and then come back in and get the other two pay for them go back outside maybe the same people won't see me and we're just all racing to things in our life can i ask you a solid question in here are you ready Did God provide for you during COVID? Did anyone run out of toilet paper and have a bad backside for the month of April? And we were so worried about toilet paper that we would take off the shelves and we would mess up the very next person who would come. Because, I mean, i got to have Quilted Northern in my life. I don't know what you have, some of you weirdo Charmin people. But Quilted Northern had to be there. And we were so concerned and God just took care of our needs. If he's done that in the past, don't you think he'll do that Tomorrow? He's just good. I remember prior prior to meeting Aaron, worrying over being called into ministry and finding someone to marry in my life, and 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 having uh, that person be uh, be called into the ministry herself, and and understand being married to a pastor. That's not just any woman. That's not just any calling. And I remember. Being in college and and good friends of mine graduating college and seminary who were not married yet, and they were they were on the verge of graduation and they could see that the plan that they had had for their life it wasn't going as they had mapped it out and so it was supposed to go like this i was supposed to meet somebody in college or meet somebody that first year of seminary and then and then date and get really close for 3 years or 4 years and then may of senior year i was to graduate and then june uh, after graduation in may june we were supposed to get married and then and then after we got married and went on this honeymoon in july and august i was supposed to get settled into my dream job to pay off $200,000 of student loan in my life so that, so that I could get this basket weaving degree and do nothing with it but bless God we got $200,000 worth of student loans that's a complete sarcastic joke by the way So we were supposed to start the dream job in in July and August and then build the dream house together because Lord knows the very first house that you buy will be the house you'll live in forever. (laughs) It's never the case. And I watched guys and women all around me get to their senior year and get to the end of graduation and not have anybody in their life and all of their plans that they had mapped out had gone awry, at the heart of worry is control. At the heart of worry is control. We want to control everything. And when things are in my life that I can't control, which is just about everything, I begin to panic and I begin to get frustrated. Worry is the greatest robber of joy in our life. And worry says, Lord, what are you doing? Why aren't you good? Why aren't you taking care of me? And worry ultimately says that I can't trust you. It's a wonderful quote that we used last week that we put on the screen from Reverend A. Lewis Patterson of the Mount Corinth Missionary Baptist Church. He says that worry is like filing formal charges against God and accusing him of mismanagement. So if you're in here and you are a worrier and that this, this, this message hits every one of us in some capacity, what we are doing is we are pointing our finger at God and saying, I could run my life better. So what does the Apostle Paul say in Philippians chapter 4? Look at verses 4 through 8 with me, please, where the Word of God says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. There's, there, that, that's a big word there, your minds. I want to pick on that word. I could have picked on heart. I want to pick on mind here in a second. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellence in, in, in excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, here it is again. Think. Think about these things. It's a wonderful passage of scripture. Wonderful passage of scripture here. The antidote, Warren Wearsby says. This is our first point this morning. The antidote to worry is a secure mind. The antidote to worry is a secure mind. The word mind seems to pop up in the book of Philippians. Several times, I didn't notice this until this past week, preached a little bit of this on Wednesday night. The word mind, M-I-N-D, appears to pop up quite frequently in the book of Philippians. We see the thought process of the mind in verse 8. Well, the Bible says, we just read it, all of these things, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, it's a wonderful thought process that we can choose what we think about. The Bible's given us a choice here. Jesus has given us a choice about what we choose to think. You are in a battle for your mind. How you think about God is right here. The things you think about yourself in relationship to God is right here. How you view your neighbor is right here. How you view life circumstances is right here. It is a battle for our mind. This is what the Bible is going to lay out for us. It is an active choice to feed and nourish our mind, to nourish our mind. Hey, serious question this morning. Tune back in one second. You ready? I got a serious question. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Do you think that a 40-minute sermon, I've been in this sermon almost 20 minutes now. I'm already behind schedule. Do you think that a 40-minute sermon that you catch only 50% of on a good Sunday, because if you're like me, you're a little ADD. I listen to a lot of sermons. I check in, check out, check in, check out. Do you think that a 40-minute sermon that at best you only catch about 50% on a Sunday has enough transforming power for you as a believer, has enough transforming power for you to withstand the hours and hours and hours that we spend each day on TV and social media. Because if you examine our lives as believers, what I would say is there's a lot of us in here that think that a 40-minute sermon would cancel out All of the competing voices that are in our ear for a whole week's time. Some of us in here profess Christ. And I would say that, uh, you know, get in a conversation that that a lot of us in here truly are believers. and, And we go a whole week without nourishing our mind and our heart on anything outside of what goes on in here in an hour. And I could stay on this for a lot longer than I need to, but, but but I'm talking about the believer this morning. Is it possible, hear me, is it possible that we eat, I hope, a good meal in here on Sunday, but is it possible that we fill up our minds with junk food during the week? Mama used to cook really good meals. She still does. I just don't get them as much anymore. But I remember growing up, when mom would cook a good meal for supper and I remember waiting for my dad to come home from work. Dad would come home from work. He would usually take about a 20-minute nap. About 20 minutes, dad would take a nap, and then we would do whatever we would do, whether it was go out in the yard, throw a football, or, or, or just hang, whatever, chores, whatever. But but he would come home. But I remember mom cooking that meal after she worked a long day at, at Pittman. Uh, this is in the early days when she worked at Pittman Junior High School before the ninth grade went up to the high school. I remember when mom would cook a meal uh I remember being hungry in those days and going into the kitchen and and trying to sneak different things to eat to tide me over for supper. And inevitably, she would always have that little saying of, you better be careful. Why? You're going to spoil your supper. And so you could fill up with junk food and then sit down to a really good meal and not even want the meal. Some of you come into the house of God, you have filled up on junk food and everything that we talk about in here, you don't desire it and it's because your mind and your heart has been filled up on junk food. We're presenting a wonderful meal today. Powers presented a wonderful meal to behold our God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And some of you honestly think that everything is boring. That ain't Powers' fault. It ain't my fault, and it certainly ain't the Word's fault. Now, I've preached some boring sermons before. I know that I have. And we want to provide seasoning to what we do. I understand that. But some of you in here honestly do not get the fact that you have brought in a full stomach and a full mind on everything that the world has offered in your life, and you don't desire any of this. And what you... keep filling up on junk food it'll never satisfy it'll never satisfy is it possible that we fill up on junk people i mean there's some people in my life that i love but they're junk until god does a transforming heart and uh, a transforming thing in their life that they're junk in, to me in, in the sense of speaking wisdom into me or giving me life to enjoy and i got to be honest, there's some people that I love with all of my heart, but until Jesus does a transforming work in their life, they don't get to be inside the inner circle of my life. I love them. I will, I will spend time with them as best that I can, but, but, but they don't get to speak wisdom into Mike Stevens. They don't get to speak negativity into my ears. They don't get to speak things that aren't biblical into my mind. I, I keep them at arm's length. Because junk people, junk people will pull me down. I I can't afford it. Life's too short. I gotta lead my kids to know Jesus Christ. I don't need people that don't know him telling me how to live my life. Isaiah 26, verse 3: the word says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Lord, keeps our mind in perfect peace. And if you look at what the Scripture says very quickly, I'm already off topic very quickly. If you look at what the Word of of God is saying, verse 8 is to think about such things. Um, Excuse me, verse 7 has the word mind in there. The peace of God uh, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This word mind keeps appearing. L- look over with me at, at, at verse 2. Go back up the page just a little bit in your Bible. Verse 2, when he asks these two women who are had a falling out to agree in the Lord. Do you all see the word agree there? That is the same word, agree there, is the same word that Paul uses one page over in my Bible in Philippians 2 verse 5 where Paul says let this same mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus so now we're into the mind of Christ in Philippians 2 verse 5 this word mind we're in this this idea that, that now we have the mind of Christ remember this is the battle for our mind everybody wants to compete These competing voices for my mind. You say, Mike, you hear voices? Yes. Do y'all not? (laughs) I do. Everything wants to compete for my mind. My social media wants to compete for my mind. We live in in, in social media more than we live in the Word of God. And, And it's competing for our mind. And it's got an effect on you. Don't you think That you are too good for things to not have an effect in your spiritual life that aren't of God. We can't fill our mind up on this junk all the time and expect to be filled with the Spirit of God and move forward with His will in our life. We can't expect it. Look at Philippians 2, verse 2, when Paul says, Then make my joy complete by being, there it is again, like minded. There is competition for our mind. It's a battle for our mind. And I'm here to tell you that you have got to submit your mind. I have got to submit my mind to the leadership of the Lord. I want you to notice, flip on your Bible, flip over in your Bible to Romans 12, verse 2. The transformed mind. The renewed mind. Flip over to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Look at verse 2 with me. I don't think we put this on the screen. Did we put this on the screen? I don't think I put it back there. If you could find it real quick. Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 2 with me. Listen to what the word of God says. It's a wonderful noise in church to hear pages turn. Y'all listen to this. It's an old school noise. Y'all hear that? It's old school. brother last night tell me he remembers his mama highlighting verses in her bible underlining things circling things listen to what romans chapter 12 verse 2 says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but here it is but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to know what the will of god is then you'll be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will so if you want to know what god's will is in your life You have to have your mind transformed and renewed. And this renewing seems to be a process that's ongoing. It never stops. It's a constant renewal. And the word transformed, is there's, it's only written in the Bible two times. Are you ready for this? One time here in Romans 12 and another time in Matthew 17 verse 2, which is the story of Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration when he gets transfigured in some sort of heavenly body for a brief moment. Moses and Elijah appear uh, on this mount of transfiguration. It's a very strange story. I've only preached on it one time in my life, by the way. I need to refresh my my thoughts on that particular story. It's an interesting story. And the inner circle of Jesus gets called, Peter, James, and John, they get called up with Jesus. He says, hey, guys, come with me. I want to show you something. Jesus knows what's about to take place, in this inner circle goes up, and they witness this incredible moment where Elijah and Moses, Moses and Elijah, the law and, and, and grace, law and grace are appeared. Uh, uh, Elijah gets gets uh, uh, transposed into heaven by grace, doesn't he? <laughs> and, and, and Moses, who's this picture of the law, we got law and grace in the sky, and, and, and they, they, they see them, Moses and Elijah. How, and how did the disciples even know it's Moses and Elijah? How do they even know that? That's why I would argue with you today that we're going to know people in heaven because they know it's Moses and Elijah. I think something incredible happens in our minds when we get to heaven. We will know and be known. And heaven ain't about my mama one day. Heaven is not about my grandmother. I get to see her, but I will not worship my grandmother. I will worship Jesus. I will not cast my crown at my grandmother's feet and say, You made the best fried okra I could ever imagine, and you poured Jesus into me at the kitchen table before me and granddaddy went hunting. I will not say that. But I will stand with her and I will worship Christ forever and ever. All right? But I'll know my grandmother. There they are, Moses and Elijah, and the Bible says that Jesus gets transfigured here. Don't you miss this? He gets transfigured in his body. Something happens in his body. The Bible says, I think it's verse 2, that his, that his face shone like the sun and his clothes were white as lightning. And the word transfigured is used about Jesus and Paul lifts that word out of Matthew chapter 17 verse 2 and puts that word on you about your mind. Now one day we'll have a body like Jesus and we'll be fully transfigured, fully transformed. The word really is metamorphosized. That's what it is in the Greek. We are we are transformed. Our mind gets transformed. We think different. We talk different. And when you think different, you begin to act different. Our thoughts are connected to our actions. If you want different, Christianity is so much more than behavior, by the way. If you ain't been changed right here and you're trying to live for Christ, you will get tired of living for Christ because your mind hasn't been transformed by Jesus. A lot of people think just good works get us there. Good works will send you to hell this morning. If your mind hasn't been changed, good works don't matter. You will get tired. You will You will begin to hate good works if your mind hasn't been changed. Paul says that our mind gets renewed. And brothers and sisters, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is important. Hang in here with me. Hang in here with me. I'm going to shut this thing down here in just a moment. This is important because our sanity is found in having a firm foundation in who we are in Jesus Christ. If we don't know who we are in Christ... Any one of us are on the verge of losing our sanity. Martin Luther, let me give this illustration. Martin Luther was losing his mind, not the civil rights leader, but the one that nailed his 95 Thesis uh, statement against the catholic church he nailed it onto the catholic church in his hometown in Germany it caused quite an uproar and here we are today as Baptists and, uh, and, and so uh, Martin Luther began the whole process of the protestant reformation and, uh, and it's just interesting to talk about him but Martin Luther about lost his sanity before God, I actually think that he did lose his sanity before the Lord and, uh, and Roland Baton writes in his biography on Luther, listen to this Luther was losing his sanity on how can I be right with God. Truly, no. How can I be right with God? He writes this. Luther was already a monk. He joined a monastery because he thought, well, if I separate myself from ungodly people and just join a monastery, then surely God would love me and give me favor. This idea was driving him crazy. He was already a monk and he spent his days in prayer and service. Still, as he looked at his life closely, he found sins in his thoughts and words and deeds. In the monastery, Luther spent up to six hours a day confessing his sins to a priest. But later, he would always remember sins that he'd forgotten to confess. And then the questions nagged him. If only... Confessed sins were forgiven. What, what would happen if I forgot just one sin? What about all the sins he might have committed in ignorance? What am I going to do, Luther would think. Luther began to see that his sinful actions were like smallpox boils on his skin. Nasty external manifestations of internal system, systemic disease of sin. So Luther, in turn, to make up for that, fasted for days. He refused blankets at night, believing that he could earn merit with God through self-imposed suffering. One day he would proudly say, quote, I have done nothing wrong today, end quote. But on self-reflection, he wondered if he had indeed fasted just enough. I mean, think about it. I fasted for three days what if it's not enough? What if I should have fasted four days? Well, I've prayed and confessed for six hours. Yeah, but what if I should have prayed and fasted for seven hours? And this is how Luther would think. And it was during a visit to Rome that he climbed a staircase on his knees saying a prayer on each step wondering, is this going to make me right with God? And one night when he was reading his Bible in desperation, he stumbles across this passage in Romans where, where, where Paul repeats this passage out of the Old Testament. And he reads this, and it hits him in the heart, and he comes to repentance, and what he read is this, the just shall live by faith. And Luther was set free from this works-based religion of what do I have to do in order to be right with God. And what he found is that if I will just believe and lean on Christ, that what he has done will save me, then I shall be saved. And when he leaned on that truth, his life changed. Brothers and sisters, some of you are losing your mind over being right with God. And until you (laughs) lean on Jesus Christ, you'll never be right with God. You'll never have true freedom. Our sanity has found a firm foundation in Christ. Very quickly, let me move on. In fact, Powers, come on up here so I'll shut this thing down. I got three more points, y'all. I can't make them all. This thing is just rich. This text is so rich. I want y'all to hear this now. How do we feed our minds? If what you're telling me is true, Mike, how do we feed our minds? If the battle is right here, then how do we feed our minds? Well, Paul tells us, in this text that we've just read, how we feed our minds is through praise and prayer. Now, I would add one more to this. This text doesn't say it, but other texts do. The Word of God. We feed our mind on the Word of God. Like, like let, me, let me show you a passage that's been, that's been on me lately. Greg Wheatley, you posted it up. This past week, we talked about it. Me and Justin talked about this in our podcast just a little bit, Union Hills podcast. I think uh, it's been a wonderful blessing to the few that have uh, listened to it. I hope it's been a blessing. Uh, This passage has been on my mind when we talk about worry. Are you ready? Jesus says it like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, about what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And time out, most of us in here have never worried about food. They've never, we've never worried about clothes. We've never worried about what we will drink. We've never had to worry. We're rich. And if you are poor in here and you don't have those things, then come to the church, have a side combo with us. If you don't know where your lunch is coming from because you are that broke and you can't afford lunch today, we want to feed you. We want to fill your cabinet with groceries. We want to send you somewhere where you can get clothes and we will help you do every single one of these. But most of us in here don't think that any of those are that important and we breeze over that text. But if you were living in the first century, you did not know where your next meal was coming from. Ask the widow who gave all she had to the temple that day. You didn't know about your clothes. You literally wore what was on your back. You did not have a closet where half the stuff in it either don't fit or out of date. You'll never wear it ever again. But bless God, we can't get rid of those clothes. Oh, and let me throw all of my clothes on Facebook, nickel and dime the community. Meanwhile, people don't have clothes that I could straight give them to. That's another sermon for another time. But in all honesty that's not another sermon for another time we will nickel and dime the community over clothes in our closet that somebody down the street really could use somebody's kid really could go to school and wear name brand stuff but we will nickel and dime the community over things in our closet that god graciously gave us also i could have an extra 150 dollars in my pocket that i can go to the beach and spending quarters in a game room that I can buy Sam $150 worth of ridiculous things behind a counter that I absolutely loathe standing there getting that crap. But bless God, let's do it. Most of us in here don't understand this text. I have a hard time understanding. I've never wanted for clothes. I've never wanted for food. I've never wanted for drink. Some of you know what it's like to grow up in poverty. You know what this is like. And what Jesus is saying is, if you want an example, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap. They don't store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And I look at the birds. I'm going to have to shut this thing down. But I look at the birds. They're not lazy. They work their feathers to the bone. I love to be in a deer stand and watch red birds. In fact, I love to be in a deer stand that I really love and hang bird feeders just so I can watch the birds before the deer comes. So I can shoot the deer. (laughs) Birds ain't lazy. Birds aren't lazy. But birds ain't sitting around wondering where my next meal's coming from. Because God's just God just takes care of them. And I guess what I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, is can't we trust God that we are more loved? than the birds (sighs) you are loved by God you are valuable he loved you so much that he died on the cross for you and he takes care of those that he loves he even takes care of the people that can't stand him because that's how good our God is Mike, if you just knew my situation, yeah, yeah I don't, but but God does. God does. i got to shut this thing down. There's a whole point in here about prayer. How, how do, what, what was the last point? How, how do we feed our minds? I, I'm so off the page. How do we feed our minds through the Word of God? I just gave you that. Praise. Paul says over and over again, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. He'll say it again in verse 10, rejoice in the Lord. And then prayer. There's a whole thought process on prayer that, that we pray. This is, these are the tools these are the tools these are the tools and what's the promise? peace peace that's the promise that's the promise peace the promise is not that he'll give you everything the promise is not that your circumstance will be solved the promise is not that it's just peace you'll be fine you'll be in the boat and the waves will be crashing and the storms are blowing. And Jesus is asleep right in the middle of it cuz Jesus ain't ever worried a day in his life. He says, "Y'all get in the boat. Let's go to the other side." And you'll just be satisfied. Here it is. This is what Mark, you'll be satisfied as a lark. Just take care of you. I have not made it to what I'm preaching on. I have it, and when some of y'all sell something you'll block me on Facebook so I don't get to see it, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I probably ran it a little bit there, but I ain't made it, but I tell you this, I'm in the boat with Jesus, sometimes I panic and fear, and Jesus has to say, hey Mike, sit down, I got this, I'm thankful for the grace of God I don't have this text down at all I panic and fear the grace of Jesus Christ covers a multitude of sins can I get an amen in the house today if you're walking through a storm right now and you're in fear you're in panic you're in worry mode you're worried about something heavy today the altar's open for you maybe you're lost in here maybe you're worried about meeting Jesus one day I pray that the Lord opens your heart to the beauty of Jesus he died for you rose from the grave for you has come to save you run to him. The altar's open for anyone who needs prayer. Father God, would you bless this time in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen.